0: Welcome to Trowaldron, Legends and War. Episode thirty-five, Morcaine and Vodan. Well hello, welcome to Triludin Legends and Lore, I'm Chad Corey, and this is the penultimate chapter in the Season 3 episode collection we have going on here for this podcast series. And I welcome you and I thank you for taking part in listening to it. If you haven't been able to take advantage of previous episodes, I would encourage you to check that out. We are wrapping up now what started last year, Season 2, talking about the Divine Pantheon and just persons and powers of interest as far as it goes with the Divine side of things. And we're finishing up now the cultic side of things, in particular, The Last of the Devilish uh, Princes, and we'll be looking at them in just a moment here. But I wanted to thank you guys for staying with me all this time and supporting the, the books and the series and the websites and this podcast and other podcasts in general. I really do appreciate that. As you know, we're getting really close. Actually, when this drops, we'll be looking at really close to, or if not on Thanksgiving in particular. And so I just wanted to take a moment and thank you guys for all the support, help and information you've been able to share and reiterate. And just, it's just been wonderful to know that people, uh, I know there are a lot more of you out there that have been able to respond. And I get that. I, would, I don't know if I want to necessarily send an email in either, but I do appreciate I just keep saying that, seeing that this goes out to a lot of people And it looks like every month, every week, we are reaching more and more people, which is great. And it's it's great to see it getting into different countries. And like I said, hopefully, being of a something of interest, but also maybe inspiration for things you want to do in your own projects or things, or just kind of another fun amendum or add-on benefit to what you're already getting out of the world setting and, and stories and such in general. So again, thank you so much for the support on that. Just wanted to. Pass it along while I could. Also, wanted to make you aware that there is still the email available if you wanted to get a hold of me for whatever reason. Like I said, maybe you had some questions on the series in general. Maybe you've had some things you wanted to share about what I have previously shared, some things that weren't entirely clear, you wanted some more explanation on. Maybe you just wanted to share some some commentary or just pass on where you're getting this podcast, what you like about it, what you want to see more of in the future, things like that. That's always good to know. Like I said, I'm always kind of curious to see where this is getting and who is picking it up and how. So feel free to share all that information if you like at lore, L-O-R-E, at chadcorey, that's C-H-A-D-C-O-R-R-I-E dot com. I will make you aware as well. I did that last uh, podcast, but I don't always do that, so I want to make sure that's still fresh in my mind here. There is the Trilodon website as well for people that like to get more information or just stay kind of informed or connected when you don't have the newest episode of the podcast to, to take advantage of. This will be an opportunity, like I said, for me to increase awareness and interest and information as I'm able to post it. Again, some of it, is, it might be time-sensitive or it might be tied into current projects I can't release for either legal things or just for personal things. I don't want to share too much too soon. But if you go to trollodon.com, that's T-R-A-L-O-D-R-E-N.com, you'll be able to take advantage of that, maybe bookmark it and see what's going on, see what some updates are. My goal is I try and update something on there once a month. Um, it might be some more updates and information on the, the glossary as far as what things are, which is still some benefit and influence to people there. Or it might be an add-on to some pages that are already there or add some new pages and things like that. So always the goal is that at least once a month there always will be something. Obviously, there might be more updates if I'm doing things where, you know, a book tour or books coming out or stuff where it would be beneficial to do more promotional things. That would be where I would be sharing some stuff as well. So Do take advantage of that. If you're interested, it's totally free. You can uh, bookmark it and kind of check it out maybe once a month, like I said at the least, and then go from there. So what are we talking about today? I'm talking about some interesting characters in particular. These are devilish princes. And again, for those who might not remember, the difference between the devils and the demons are basically one is more, shall we say, carnal or flesh-oriented in their corruption and how they go about influencing evil and stuff in, in the world. The other is more mental and uh, intellectual, that kind of thing, and they kind of take and corrupt things, people's minds, thoughts, uh, things of that nature. So, Morkane is the first guy we're talking about today, and his title is The Exalted One, and he's a 15-foot-tall individual, and he looks slightly alien and strange in his composition when compared with that of the other devils. His medium blue skin covers both his humanoid torso and serpentine laurel half, The underbelly of his tail turns a pale white, and his spindly arms end in bony, elongated claws. His head is bald and elongated, and has no lips or nose, instead having red eyes and a thin slit of a mouth filled with needle-like teeth. He also sports two gazelle-like antlers at the front of his head, along with some pointed ears. A pair of black feathery wings and membrane-like wings grow from his back. The feathers tend to dominate the more top portions of the wing, and the rest of it kind of becomes like, you know, plucked chicken-looking wings, rememberous-looking, as they near the lower portion of his frame. Uh, given his form, Morcane really doesn't wear any clothing, since it doesn't really matter if he's, you know, naked from the waistline, He's just a serpent, um, using only a black belt to help hold some personal belongings and his weapons. The rest of his attire consists of adornments, a uh, gold, golden circlet across his head, several rings on both hands, and a silver torque about his neck. Morcane prefers a short sword in a fight and keeps one always on his person. For armor, he uses only a medium shield and a shirt of chain mail altered to allow his wings and body a better fit. When it comes to his court, Morcane is cold and calculating, not often given to sudden bursts of action. He rules over a small realm of Bytren in the first level of the Abyss, with great wisdom and intelligence. He's always been at least three steps ahead of his opposition. There he has a fortified town from which he governs the rest of the realm. Never one to rest on his laurels, Morcain instead uses his vast knowledge and understanding of motivations and thoughts to intimidate all around him, hoping to seem more godlike than he really is. Given his relative seclusion He has been allowed to increase in power and plans for his next step, which is to become a god and leave the abyss forever. To this end, he is very interested in children, having had a taste of what it was like to walk up so close with such magnified divinity. He has two devilish lords and ten greater devils who serve him, and about 3,000 devils and abysmal incarnates. Now let's talk a little bit about his cult first, what their purpose is, Simply put, Morcaine has a god complex. He sees himself as above and beyond his fellow fiendish princes and the rest of his denizens of the pit and is eager to rid himself of it and them so he can claim the truest prize of all, outright divinity. Because of this outlook, Morcaine actively treats his cults and cultists like an actual religion fit for a deity, and with it, is a sense of continuity and continual connection to his followers and worshippers, seeking to establish a means by which he can actually ascend to a higher rank of full-fledged god. His religion and goals are more about manipulation and long-range planning, along with the accumulation and implementation of plans and attempts to increase his influence on Trelodron and even return him to the planet. He is not too choosy on whom he can, who can follow him or work with him, taking all who would bow their knee to him and do his will. Anyone who sides with him and brings him to his ultimate goal of godhood as well as returning him to Traludon will be rewarded by getting to rule with him in the new world to come. Those who have been more loyal and done the most work for him and the cause will have the most and greatest reward, others of lesser degrees according to their works. What Morcane asks them to do can be and is rather varied. Everything and anything that can help his cause is something he endeavors to undertake, Whether that's criminal enterprises, political dealings and influence, societal change, or even just common business dealings, all can and have served a purpose. Of course, he is always keen in seeking out new insight on portals and any other relative matters there to help him in his quest for once more setting foot on Trollodon. Of course, if he ever were to return to Trollodon, the story would be different than the utopian-like version he puts forth to his followers. Thankfully, for those, none have gotten close to returning their would-be god to the planet. The gods all share a dislike for Morcaine. None want any fiendish princes making a return to Trollodon, nor do they want someone like Morkane having any success in any way, lest what he has learned finds its way into the other fiends' hands. His ability to put himself into so many varied affairs of life also makes him a nuisance whenever one of his cults are active. So whenever a cult is discovered, it tends to be dealt with as swiftly as possible, removing any and all traces from society. Now those who follow Morcane are called Morcanus, and interestingly enough, because he has this focus so much on wanting to be a god and have a true religion, he actually has a holy text called the Morcana. and it's a collection of instructions, teachings, vague prophecies related to his plan and the rewards for those who undertake them. In its pages, he also puts forth an alternative yet concise history in which he and the other fiendish princes were called by the Titans to help free them from the tyranny of the Pantheon. But when the Pantheon saw the success they were having and the truly liberated people on the rise, they panicked and warred to keep their control. So again, kind of a unique spin on what happened on that situation. His holy symbol is a seven-pointed star with the bottom two points of it extended longer than the other five. It's called the rising star and is pale blue and often portrayed over a white background. It's also crafted of a pale blue stone or gem and used as pendants attached to white cords. When it comes to wearing their outfits for their religious ceremonies, they tend to wear medium blue robes with white sashes. When on special occasions, they don white stoles, long gloves, and lead circlets. And of course, whatever the occasion when they get together, they have to wear the rising star at all times. And while they have the Marcana, they also have some basic tenets, the basic ideas, I guess you can say, that can come or are encapsulated, are part of the Marcana, shall we say. And they are, the glory to come is worth any present suffering. The past is not worthy to share the future. The greater the glory, the greater the loyalty, the richer the reward. The present is tyranny, the future glory, great joy. And that is Morcane. Now let's transition into Vodan. His title is the Scaled Sovereign, and he stands about 15 feet tall with a five foot long tail and a 30 foot wide wingspan. He resembles a greenish-yellow colored bipedal humanoid reptile, complete with a lizard-like tail and bright yellow eyes. The color lightens into a cream on his underbelly, both on his body and tail, and he also has some black wings and clawed hands and feet. Given his form, Vodan doesn't wear any footwear but does make use of a wide belt that holds up his skirt made of a strip of dark gray tanned wyvern hide. The belt also has a golden wyvern face on top of the buckle for added emphasis, and he wears a golden torque on his left bicep for the rest of his adornment. When it comes to weapons, Vodan makes use of a halberg and some daggers. For armor, for armor, he wears a curios, bracers and an open-faced helmet sporting a set of torpor horns. And these are some things you might not know. We'll talk about them a little bit later. As far as what these creatures are, he's wearing. Basically, his court. Is, he's made his home in the first level of the abyss in a jungle that has kept him well protected and served for many years. Here he has built up in his grand city of Quantora and enriched it with the great honor of his own personal glory. Much of the city and people around and in the jungle is populated by those who have been sent there by the pantheon. These are former uh, charges of the lords of evil who have been brought as personal and perpetual slaves for Vodan. These he works mercilessly in various agricultural and other pursuits for his own use and for trade with other cities and places across the Abyss. Any Deltarians and Lizardmen who arrive there are given a special place among the rest of the city, since they are in a way creations of the devilish prince. And Vodan doesn't really deal that much with outside people and places, but often seeks to gain more slaves when the opportunity is presented. Otherwise, he's content to live in his own realm and plot and plan for the future, which involves finding his way back to the Abyss in some way, using his cults toward that end. He also has a pet project he puts some of his slaves to, digging into the Abyss and seeing just how deep the plane really is, and seeing what he can discover in the process. He has five devilish lords and eight greater devils working for him, while several thousand devils in a sort of devilish inclined abysmal incarnates serve him as well. He's also credited, like I mentioned before, with the corruption of some Ryu and has brought about both Deltarians and Lizardmen, who, if you're familiar with the Wizard King trilogy, you encountered some of those already. The Deltarians still honor their creator, forming various cults over the years to him. The Lizardmen sometimes do but also have been influenced by shamanism over the ensuing centuries and basically have kind of don't really acknowledge him and some don't even remember that they were created by him in general. So that's kind of the basic summary of what he's about, but unlike a lot of the fiendish princes, he does have a a holy text kind of similar to to Morcane, and his is called The Dark Opus. And it's basically a collection of some historical information stating his appearing on Trelodon and the creation of the Deltarians and Lizardmen mixed him with his will and plans for the future of the race and his returning rule to the planet. It also lists some basic understanding of how the cult should be organized and what it should be about in general. Some other holy tenets you can kind of pull out of there. Again, these are just kind of the, the general statements you can kind of encapsulate from the teachings. Would be Vodan's will is your command. The glory to come is worth whatever the cost. Anything that hinders Vodan's will shall be destroyed. Anything that would corrupt Vodan's creation shall be removed and destroyed. His followers are called Vodanians, and again, usually these followers are gonna be either Deltarians, sometimes losermen, and maybe some monstrous races or the occasional really obscure or esoteric individuals from other races who have just decided to, hey, let's throw my lot with this fiendish, uh, devilish prince and see what happens kind of thing. Not a common situation since he, Vodan really is more into what he's created, that is the Lizardmen and the Deltarians, but it can happen and it has happened over the years. Vodan's symbol is called the Black Ensign and it's comprised of two crossed spike maces. Each is black from head to shaft. And when displayed elsewhere, they are in front of a green-colored background. And when used as holy symbols, the image is carved into a two-inch medallion and attached to a brown cord. Basically, when the people get together, mainly the priests, I should say, are called to wear greenish-yellow robes with a black sash around their waist, when in special gatherings or ceremonies, they also add a black hooded cloak, keeping the hood down for the duration of the ceremony. And, of course, like many of these cults we've hearing so far, their holy symbol must be present at all times. Again, he's trying to, like Porcane as well, establish and maintain a continuity of a religion, a sense of a greater uh, collective form of worship that he wants to use to hopefully not only embellish his own power, but motivate others to join and also help elevate him and pull him out of the abyss and into Trollery on in a greater, greater level in general. So what does he use his cult for? That is a good idea to explain right now. Given his interest in Trollodon, like I was mentioning, Vodan seeks to use his natural connections with the Deltarians toward that end. Many have proved loyal to him, and he has honored that when and where he can. As such, his cults are often more racially focused than other cults across the planet. Given his active interest in his creation, this only helps his efforts and desires as he believes he has a ready population to receive him and further his plans once he finds a way back to Trelodon. And as he seeks such a passage, he makes use of them to add to his own subjects on the abyss, and even a tighter hold of the population through sacrifices. He encourages them to find ones who don't hold to the gods, so they end up in the abyss at his hands, but even then those who aren't killed help bind his followers more to him, allowing him to reward them even further for their loyalty and service. Overall, he looks to build up the Deltarians into a force and race that will have the right infrastructure and resources in place to help him make a bid for empire once he returns to Trelodron. To this end, he has been more successful with the Deltarians in the southern hemisphere, but also has been making some inroads in the northern hemisphere throughout the centuries. Of late, he has seen the loss of the shamans among the lizardmen as something he can use to his advantage, tempting them and calling them to his side. In the midst of these matters, he also uses his followers to seek out what information they can and how to bring him back to trellodom. That might be magical or supernatural or other means. He has learned how to use he has learned how to and use guides in various times past, but the risk of leaving himself spread across two realms isn't that appealing. He would rather be on one place or the other, and with the added benefit of the gods and just about every other divinity being forbidden from the planet is a tempting offer, he really can't pass by. The Pantheon is opposed to his actions, of course, the light gods most of all, as Vodan's actions seek to upend the order and peace of the planet and people. Remanas also has a special place of hatred for him in his heart, since he corrupted the Ryu, his specially created people. His cults also have a greater frequency of turning up across Traludren, this makes putting an end to things hard to enforce as no sooner than one cult is snuffed out than another can, can and often does spring up elsewhere. Short of destroying all the Deltarians and Lizardmen, there isn't really much that can be done to fully assure another cult or cults won't return. And that, I think, will wrap up Vodan and wrap up the whole episode in particular and, I guess, this section this segment of our podcast talking about the Pantheon, and I guess the cults and things tied into that. So I just want to let that go. Thank you so much for being a part of this, and hopefully it was of a benefit to you. I do appreciate that. Thank you for listening. This podcast is copyright Chad Corey, all rights reserved.